go ahead and be turning to Luke chapter number five. I know it's Mother's Day, but I'm not necessarily going to do a Mother's Day message. Sometimes I'll sometimes I'll coordinate with holidays and sometimes I won't. It doesn't mean that the holiday is not important if I don't, but a lot of times it just depends on uh, how the Lord leads and uh, the passages that we're in. So if you're expecting a, uh, a Mother's Day message, well, I, I'm sorry, you won't get it here today, but uh, that's all right, isn't it? Uh, as important as mothers are, the Lord is more important. And uh, we may not be here without our mothers, but we definitely wouldn't be here without the Lord. And so let's go ahead. We'll be in uh, Luke chapter number five. And we've been in a series that I've entitled Refocus, in which we are uh, trying to push away all the, the junk and the things that clouds our view of Jesus. And we want to just look through the Gospels here and see Jesus for who he is. Uh, look at the things that he taught, look at his attitude toward the people who followed him and the, the way that he worked in this world. Because as I've often said, uh, there's a lot of things that have given Jesus a uh, maybe a bad name. There's a lot of things that have clouded our view of him that have uh, changed and skewed our perspective of him. And as we look at uh, religion and the way that they portray Jesus, or even our own understanding and our own concept of what Jesus is like, a lot of times it is not consistent with the Jesus of Scripture. And so we kind of get skewed. We kind of get our focus shifted a little bit away from who he is onto all these other things. And so I just want to re, uh, refocus on him through these various gospel accounts. And last week what we looked at was the healing of the leper. And we've discussed, even this morning in Sunday school, that his miracles wasn't his main mission. Uh, the miracles were just something to validate or to authenticate who he was, to show that he was indeed the Son of God, to validate the message that he was bringing. And so uh, he didn't come to heal every physical disease, but he came to deliver from the spiritual disease of sin that was behind all the afflictions. And in our message last week, we saw that uh, we saw the seriousness of sin through the illustration of leprosy. Leprosy was a very feared disease. It was a horrific way uh, to die, basically. And if we get a true view, a God's view of sin, we would see it as wretched and as filthy and as vile as what it really is, that even leprosy would not compare to the filth and the disgustingness of what sin is. And just the same as the leper, the leper had no hope of healing, had no hope of an improvement on his condition outside of a miracle from God. And the same thing goes with us as sinners. We have no hope outside of Jesus. There is uh, no way that a man can be saved and delivered from the curse of sin outside of Christ. And so after we are saved, if we are wise, we are still going to avoid sin like the plague, right? Uh, avoid it like if it was leprosy, as if it was as vile and disgusting as what leprosy is. But we know that even whenever we do fail, whenever we do sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so Jesus, as he reached out to this leper in his filth and his disease, Jesus reached out to him, touched him, and healed him and transformed his life. And that's what he seeks to do for each and every one of us. So today we're going to look at another man that comes to Jesus for healing. And as I was studying and looking at this, honestly, uh, we have 
two accounts of healing today, one in Sunday school and one in this hour. And I didn't want to just be repetitive. I didn't want to just be saying the same thing twice in both services. And we'll go a slight different way in this. But this man is going to come to Jesus for healing. But the sickness and the circumstances of his life are different from that of the leper. And the way that Jesus addresses him is going to be different as well. And so Luke chapter number five, we're going to uh, begin reading down at verse number 17. And we'll read down through verse number 26. It says, And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching, as Jesus was teaching, that there was or there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up on the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto the man, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come to you once again. Thank you for your blessings. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for all these accounts that we have in scripture of the way that you work in the hearts and lives of mankind, Lord, and the way that you work through your, your people, your disciples, Lord. We just pray, Lord, asking you, Lord, just to lead and guide today. I pray, Lord, that you would help us in our, in our minds and our hearts, Lord, as so many things can distract us and cause us to, uh, to pay attention to so many things besides what is actually important. Help us, Lord, to focus on your word today. I pray that you would use it to draw us to you, Lord, that you would use it to uh, refocus us and to clarify our view of you, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that you would do what's needed in the hearts and lives of each person here today. If there's one here among us that uh, is unsaved, they don't know you as their Lord and Savior. They don't know that uh, heaven is going to be their home whenever they pass away from this earth. Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they would call upon you and that they would trust you as their Savior. And Lord, we just thank you so much for all that you do and all these things I pray in Jesus' name and amen. So as we're looking at this passage today, by this time, Jesus was beginning to create quite a stir, okay? He's beginning to create quite a stir because he had uh, cleansed the temple, he had uh, turned the water into wine, he had uh, healed the leper, he had healed uh, many others that aren't even mentioned in Scripture. There's several times there's just uh, kind of a... a uh, an account that just says that many were healed. Multitudes came to him for healing. Uh, he didn't turn any of them away. And so by this time, we don't know how many healings that he has done, how many 
uh, of this sort of thing has happened, but it was enough to where it was getting people's attention. And whenever they found out what house he was in there in Capernaum, uh, they started crowding in. They filled the house up and had it to overflowing to where I believe there were people even encircling the house. They had the windows open. They were listening in the windows. They were listening in the doorway. And so everyone was around listening to Jesus teach and preach. We also find that in this time that uh, not only were just normal people coming, but also Pharisees and doctors of the law or scribes were coming, trying to suss out who he was, trying to figure out what was going on with this Jesus of Nazareth. And so it wasn't all friendly folks that was coming around. And so they were listening. They were watching, trying to uh, figure out if this man was of God or if he was some sort of a heretic or whatnot. And as they were listening to him, we're going to find that they raise a little bit of uh, criticism with him later on, even um, in the part that we find that they are reasoning together in their hearts. And Jesus perceives the thoughts that they are thinking and the things that are going on in their mind, and he addresses it. And just as a bit of a side note here, whenever he addresses it, he says specifically that he heals this man of his uh, infirmity, that they may know that he has power from God to forgive sin. And so it shows us plainly that the healing that takes place is a sign. It is to signify, to authenticate the ministry of Jesus and that he was able to forgive sins. So we see Jesus' own words there. Why did Jesus perform miracles? So that they may know that he is the Son of God and he has power to forgive sins. Okay? Well, like I said, that's a, a side note. But as we see these scribes and these Pharisees here, hostility is already beginning to rise. And this is going to continue to grow and to build until eventually it leads to the cross. But this is still early on. So as we're looking through the Gospels, we're going to see uh, Jesus amassing more and more uh, enemies, more and more opposition. And this is kind of the beginning of it. And so anyway, in the midst of all of this, him teaching and the crowds gathering around and the skeptics kind of trying to pick apart every word that he's saying and trying to compare it with the, the law and the things that they know, that in the midst of all of this, there is a man who is uh, paralyzed. He's unable to walk. We don't know how long he's been in this condition. We don't know what has caused this condition. The one that we talked about in Sunday school, he was that way from his birth, right? But this man, we don't know. It could have been an accident. It could have been a disease. It could have been from his birth. It talks about it being a palsy. So I, I tend to lean towards some sort of a disease cause him to be uh, unable to walk. And we don't know how long he's been in this condition, but he hears that Jesus is nearby. And I believe, though the Bible doesn't say specifically, I believe that he reached out to some of his friends, some of the people around him, and he uh, uh, kind of... Uh, called on them for their assistance, for their help. He, I believe that he said, Jesus is over here in Capernaum, and if I could just get to Jesus, I believe he could heal him, could heal me. And he, uh, he calls for these friends to help carry him in his bed to get to Jesus. And so as he comes to this, uh, as he comes in the picture here, the, the big, uh, or the important thing that we need to see here is that he needed above all else to get to Jesus, right? He needed to get to Jesus. It's as simple as that. He needed Jesus. As he has heard all of these things, 
and he knew that Jesus had the ability to heal, he said, if I could just get to where he is, if I could just be near him, if I could just see him, if he could just lay his eyes and maybe his hands on me, it would heal me from this condition that I'm in. And so he hoped that Jesus could cure his condition. I believe he he had faith that Jesus could cure his condition. And so he rushed out to his four friends. He recruited them to carry him because he couldn't do it for himself. And whenever he does finally get to Jesus, we find that Jesus points out that his need isn't what he thought that it was. This man, as he said, I need to come to Jesus so I can walk, so I can be healed of my infirmity, because so I can have a better life, so I can have some sort of uh, relief from my situation. I need to get to Jesus for that. But whenever he comes to Jesus, Jesus' first priority is not to heal his physical malady. His first priority, he looks at the man and says, your sins are forgiven. Remember as we talked last week with the leper, and even this week we're talking about that Jesus didn't come to heal our physical bodies. Jesus didn't come to work these miracles and cause us to have a better existence on this earth and to fix our problems here. That's what we like to focus on, right? But Jesus is trans, uh, uh, transitioning in his ministry here. He told the leper, he says, don't go out and tell anyone, but he voiced it everywhere, right? Why did he say that? He said, he said that because he didn't want his ministry to be about the physical needs of people. And so as he looks at this uh, palsy man, this man who is unable to walk, he makes it abundantly clear that this wasn't the purpose of his ministry. And he says, your sins be forgiven you. This man had both physical needs and he had spiritual needs. He had temporal needs and he had eternal needs. He had outward needs and inward needs. And at this time, he was only focused on the temporal and the outward and the physical. And Jesus brings it into perspective and he first addresses his spiritual need, his eternal need, his sin that needed cleansed. And so for all of us, we first need Jesus spiritually, and we need him eternally. A lot of people will come to Jesus. They are seeking for relief from their situation. They're, they're seeking a change in their circumstances. They are seeking some kind of a change in this world that we live in, in this life that we live. But Jesus knows that our main and our most important need is that of the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our lost and eternal soul. And so for us, we need to come to him first and foremost for salvation. The Bible says that he is the way and the truth and the life that no man cometh to the Father but by him. So why do we need to come to Jesus? Because he is the only way to salvation. We find that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Once again, he is the only way and we must come to Jesus. We need to come to Jesus because of our spiritual condition. We need to come to Jesus because we need salvation. And so we need Jesus for forgiveness and for salvation, but it doesn't end there. For us as Christians, and I believe most of the folks that are here today uh, would say that they are saved, that they have been born again, that they have trusted Jesus as their Savior, that heaven is their home, that they know whenever they pass from this earth that they are going to be in the presence of Jesus. Most of the people in here, I believe, would testify to that, but you realize you still need Jesus you still need Jesus every single day. And 
As we live on this earth, I believe that all of us could testify to this fact, that the world is getting more and more wicked. It's getting worse and worse day by day, and that makes it more important for us to be seeking him. It makes it that much more important. We need Jesus that much more. The Bible says so much more as we see the day approaching, right? We need to be seeking after him. We need to be looking for him. Uh, as you go to work in your job, you need Jesus. As you go about driving up and down the roads and getting stuck in traffic and having all these crazy people around, I, I tell you, there is nothing that will get me in the flesh quicker than stupid drivers. You can ask my kids this. You need Jesus to drive on these roads. You need Jesus to care for your family and for the parents as you're raising up children. You need Jesus. And children, as you're putting up with loving but sometimes misguided parents, you need Jesus. And for everything that we go through in our lives, we need to be seeking after him. We need to be searching after him. We need to prioritize and realize that we can't live this life successfully as a Christian on our own. We need Jesus. And so we need uh, we need his strength. We need his guidance. We need his cleansing. We need his uh, hope. We need his assurance. We need his peace. We need him for everything. Even the air that we breathe and the heart that is within us beating, it is him that keeps us going. We need Jesus for everything. The Bible says that he is the vine and we are the branches and that if we abide in him and he in us, then we can bear much fruit. And so for us to be fruitful, we need Jesus. We've talked already about having life and having it more abundantly. And in order for us to do that, we need Jesus. We look at this lame man as he lay there. He had life, but was he actually living? It wasn't much to that, was it? And I'll tell you, that is a picture of us without Jesus. We are no better than this crippled man laying in a bed, helpless and hopeless, existing without Jesus. We need Jesus to have life and have it more abundantly. And so when this man came to Jesus, he received that life. He realized that he knew that he needed Jesus but although he knew he needed Jesus, although he wanted to come to Jesus, we find that in this passage, there were obstacles that stood between him and Jesus. And I'll tell you this, no matter how good of a Christian you think that you are, there's always going to be obstacles to you seeking after him and you serving him. There's always going to be things that get in the way whenever we desire to put our lives in his hands. There's always going to be things that are going to try to keep us from serving him. As long as we are in this flesh, which is opposed to God, as long as we have an enemy seeking whom he may devour, and as long as we are existing in this world that is opposed to God, we are going to have opposition. We are going to have obstacles whenever we seek to serve him. And so with this lame man, it wasn't as simple as him just walking up to Jesus and him just sitting down and saying, Jesus, I need something from you it was going to be difficult for him to make that journey. He wasn't able to walk. He had to have someone to carry him. The journey, we don't know how long it would have been. It may have been uh, a few steps. It could have been a few kilometers. It could have been a day or two. We don't know how long he was to get to Jesus. But along the way, there were bumps and bruises. Maybe he got dropped a time or two, right? Bible doesn't list those things. But could you imagine these four men carrying this guy when he's bed across town or to the next city to try to get him to Jesus? There would have been problems along the way. They get there and there's crowds around. They're trying to figure out how do we get him through and the doors are blocked. So they decide we've got to go up to the roof 
And so now there's ladders or staircases. They get him up to the roof and they start tearing tiling off the roof. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Lots of obstacles in the way. They start tearing tiling off the roof. And I can imagine them tying ropes onto the four corners of his bed. And they start lowering him down into the room. I'd like to have been there that day. Sitting there, Jesus is teaching. And then all of a sudden, you start seeing tiles shifting. And a light breaks through. And there's people standing there looking. And they lower a man on a bed down right in front of them. You know, Jesus teaching, everybody's gathered around. Can you imagine if the ceiling just opened up and a bed was lowered? And this is, the man's being lowered on his bed. They're not sticking him in, you know, vertically. They're sticking him in horizontally. It was a big hole that they opened up to lower him on his bed. They didn't just put the ropes underneath his arms and just lower him down. They lowered him on his bed. So they would have been watching them for a while, breaking the roof off of this place and lowering him down. That would have been pretty crazy, wouldn't it? But what I'm trying to get across is there were obstacles in the way. And so what kind of obstacles did he face? What kind of obstacles do we face whenever we know this is something that many of us has heard over and over? This is elementary for us, right? We need Jesus. That sounds simple enough, right? Put it on a bumper sticker, put it on the back of your car. We need Jesus. The world needs Jesus. But the problem is the obstacles that are in the way. One of the obstacles we find is our sin. Bible says that our sin separates us from God. We can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Whenever sin entered in, immediately what took place was separation. And so for the person who is lost and don't know Jesus as their Savior, their sin causes them to resist God. Their sin causes them to put distance between them and God. Their sin causes them to seek out other ways to justify themselves. It seeks out excuses to try to make them feel okay about themselves but all of these things are obstacles that a person must overcome and that they must come face to face with the fact that there is sin in their life and only Jesus can bring about salvation. But I've already told you, we're not just talking to the lost people today. We're talking to us as Christians as well. Because for us as Christians, whenever we allow sin to enter into our lives, whenever we allow uh, things to come into our lives that are unhealthy and unholy, those things are going to put distance between us and God. Those are going to be obstacles to us actually seeking after Jesus. It's going to cause us to lose our desire. It's going to cause us to lose our taste. It's going to cause us to lose our motivation to seek after Jesus. And until we realize how much we need him and we face the sin that stands between us and God and we get it under the blood of Jesus, we get it right with Jesus and we get back in fellowship with Jesus, we are not going to be able to walk with him and enjoy the fellowship that he desires for us to have with him. The next thing that we find here is there are personal issues that come up that will keep us from seeking Jesus. This man would have had all kinds of baggage. He has been uh, through many different things, put through the ringer. He probably has some bitterness in his heart toward God. He probably has bitterness in his heart toward the people that are around him. There are things that he has faced, situations that he has went through, and these things he has to deal with before he's going to seek after Jesus. There are all these personal issues, and all of us come from different situations, from different backgrounds. We've had different circumstances happen in our lives. Maybe some of us have had easier roads than others, but still there are personal issues that will crop up in our lives, all kinds of excuses that the devil will give us to try to keep us from seeking after Jesus. And we must deal with these personal issues. We must get them out of the way because we need to realize there is nothing that is worth keeping us from him. 
We need him more than our sin. We need him more than our personal problems because when we come to him, he offers healing. He offers restoration. This man didn't just need healing of his body. He needed healing in his heart and in his mind. And God can also heal our relationships. He can heal our issues, all these things. But we can't allow this to be an obstacle to stand between us and Jesus. Another thing I find, there were some logistical issues. I went through that a minute ago. But there were many things that stood in the way between him and Jesus. There was distance. There were walls. There were ladders. There were roofs. There were people. There was all kinds of things to keep him from getting to Jesus. And if anyone had an excuse, it was him, right? And so for us, our, our logistical issues doesn't tend to be distance and walls and roofs. It tends to be our schedule and the things that we must keep in life, all the expectations and the busyness that life throws at us. I think we're the busiest generation that has ever existed. Do you all agree with that? We are busier now than anyone has ever been before. We are creating new ways to make ourselves busy. And many of these things are keeping us from Jesus. And we don't have the time to spend in prayer. We don't have time to go to him in in his word. We have so many things occupying our attention that we can't even clear our heads long enough for us to meditate on Jesus and on his goodness because we are so busy and so filled with all of the other things that have been forced upon us. And all these things end up being obstacles that keep us from true fellowship, keep us from truly seeking after him, keep us from truly serving him. And they become obstacles that need to be pushed aside, that need to go out of the way, because ultimately more than you need anything, more than you need water, more than you need air to breathe, you need Jesus. But the world will supply plenty of obstacles. The devil will supply plenty of obstacles. And a lot of times we push a bunch of our own in the way as well, piling them up between us and Jesus. And so there are logistical issues that stand in the way. We also see that he had religion in the way. Because there were Pharisees, there were scribes there, and for him to come as a, uh, as a crippled man and to break up the party, so to speak, for him to come and be lowered down to the roof, could you imagine uh, the looks on these, uh, these men's faces, these scribes and these Pharisees, how dare him come and interrupt our thing? How dare this unclean, crippled man come while we are here trying to perform a service for God in our scrutinizing this teacher and trying to figure out if he's of God or not, right? And for him to come and make himself known and his presence known is going to draw the ire of these people. Not only that, but the Jews of that day had a lot of fear of the religious leaders. Their lives were much in control by these uh, religious leaders, and they feared in any way to draw the displeasure of these guys. If you look at just how Jesus walked in front of them, whenever he's going about it, him and his disciples, and they are plucking wheat on the Sabbath and they are eating it. These guys are hiding behind the bushes and jump out and say, you're breaking the law. Could you imagine the fear that people would have had of these guys of doing anything that would displease them? Right? And so this guy could have said, well, the religious guys are in there. I can't go and interrupt. I can't go and and be seen there because they're in there. How does that relate to us? Do you know that religion is one of the greatest excuses people give whenever you try to confront them with the gospel? They'll bring up all the times they've been mistreated by religion. 
They'll bring up all the corruption that takes place in religion. They will talk about the scandals that have taken place within religion. All of these people who claim to represent Jesus, all of these people who claim to be of God, and instead are giving God a bad name or giving Jesus a bad name, and people use it as an excuse. It becomes an obstacle, a hindrance. And there are multitudes of people around this world today that are never going to come to Jesus. They are never going to seek Jesus because religion is an obstacle that they can't overcome. And for even us as Christians today, we may have been hurt by Christians. We may have been hurt in church. We may be put off by religion and the things of religion. But get this, there is no one in this world who has been done worse by religion than Jesus. You realize that religion dogged Jesus the entire time that he was on this earth and tried to discredit him and tried to cause him problems every day he was there. The whole time that Jesus threw out his ministry, they were trying to discredit him. They were falsely accusing him, and eventually they killed him. And ever since then, they have been claiming his name to perform some of the worst atrocities and the most wicked and horrendous acts that mankind has ever seen, and they are doing it in the name of Jesus to soil his name and his reputation. And so for anyone who will use religion as an obstacle or an excuse to keep them away from Jesus, don't allow that to stand in your way because there's no one that's been done worse by religion than Jesus. Okay? The next thing that we find here is that people also was in the way, right? People was also in the way. There were crowds gathered around, and whenever he got there, because of all the people gathered around Jesus, he could not get in to the house. He could not get into the door, and it became an obstacle. And for us as Christians today, whenever we start giving heed to the crowds, whenever we allow uh, the things that are accepted in society or not accepted in society, when we allow popularity and peer pressure to decide for us and be a factor in our decision, it's going to be an obstacle to us seeking after Jesus. Do you realize that Christianity is becoming less and less popular? Christianity is becoming a minority. It used to be that Christianity was at least respected. It was something that people actually may have admired at a one point in time, but now Christianity is becoming ridiculed and mocked and scorned. We find that if you hold to Christian standards and convictions, you're going to be called all kinds of names. You're going to be uh, a racist and a homophobe and transphobic and on and on. And they throw out all these different epithets and slurs just to try to make us be quiet. And so if you are concerned about the crowds, they are going to keep you from Jesus. If you're seeking after what is popular and what is acceptable and what is mainstream, it is going to keep you from seeking after Jesus. If you're worried about what your coworkers or your friends or your family or anyone else around you is going to think of you, it is going to be an obstacle and it is going to keep you from seeking after Jesus. And so you can't allow people, you can't allow the crowds to get in the way because more than you need any of them and more than you need their approval, you need Jesus. And the last thing that I see here that made a difference in this man's life is we're talking about people who you surround yourself with is going to make a difference in your seeking Jesus. You realize this man had four men that were willing to pick up his bed and carry him to Jesus. Who you surround yourself with is going to determine 
whether you seek him or not. And so he had four men that were willing to put the effort in, who were willing to pick him up and willing to carry him and bring him to Jesus. So I want to encourage you, surround yourself with people who will lift you up in prayer. Surround yourself with people who are going to encourage you, people who are going to love you, people who are going to drive you closer to him rather than keep you away from him. Because this fact that I hope you get, if nothing else, out of this entire message, you need Jesus. And so we need Jesus. There's obstacles that are uh, needed to overcome, but it is worth it for us to put forth the effort and prioritize our walk with him because in the end it pays off. It pays off. Look at this man. Whenever he overcame all the obstacles, whenever he got to Jesus, he received not just physical healing, he received eternal life. His sins were forgiven. His life was transformed. And so Jesus did a work in him, and he went from existing to living. He had a hope. He had a purpose. He had a future. He had a family. Everything changed whenever he met Jesus, when he made it to Jesus. And so if you ignore or push past all these obstacles, there is a payoff. Jesus forgives and he saves all who will come unto him. And then where we walk with him and where we fellowship with him, we experience the love that he gives. We experience his guidance, his direction, his fellowship. We receive peace. We receive a hope. We receive a future. His spirit begins working in us, transforming us and conforming us into his image. And he takes all of the hurt and all of the brokenness and all the wrong thinking and all the wrong priorities. And he makes something alive and beautiful out of it. And so contrary to what this world thinks is living, without Jesus, we are a broken beggar. We have no hope. We are an unclean leper. But in Jesus, we find life and we find it more abundantly. We need to get to Jesus. There's obstacles in the way and there is a payoff. So don't let sin or personal issues or the logistics of it all or the religion or the crowds keep you from Jesus. And so if you've never put your faith and trust in him alone as your Savior, you need his forgiveness. Don't let anything get in the way. If you're saved and you know your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home when you die, you still need him every single day, walking with you and guiding you and transforming you. You still need him. So make him a priority. Put him first, more than the food you eat, the air that you breathe, the home that you live in, the clothing on your back. Put him as the priority. You need him more than any of it. And the last thing that I want to point to in all of this, you notice there's two groups of people in this passage. There are those who help him get to Jesus, and there are those that hinder him from getting getting to Jesus. If you're a Christian today, if you belong to him, I want to say this. Make sure that you are one of them that is helping rather than hindering. Make sure that your life is pointing people to Jesus rather than driving them from. You can be a help or you can be a hindrance. Make sure, make sure that your life is a help to those who are seeking him, not a hindrance. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Lord, we come to you today. Thank you for your blessings, Lord. We thank you so much for this passage, Lord. And Lord, as I look over my life, I know there's plenty of obstacles and 
and everything that can get in the way. Lord, I pray you help me to uh, to move the, past those obstacles, ignore those obstacles, push them out of the way, Lord, and prize you above all things, desire you above all things, Lord, that you may work in my life, that work that only you can do. And Lord, I pray that you be with each of these people in here today, that they would receive from you exactly that which they need. If there's one here that don't know you as their Savior, I pray that they would push all those obstacles aside and realize they need you and that they would trust you alone as their Savior. I pray, Lord, that if there's some here today that are struggling with obstacles, I pray, Lord, you'd help them to overcome those obstacles and prioritize coming to you, Lord. And Lord, may we always be a help and never a hindrance to those who stand in need of you. And we thank you so much for all that you do and all these things I pray in Jesus' name. And amen.